Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. You're listening to SpursCast, episode 594. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the SpursCast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder, Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the Spurs getting back into the top 10 defensively and Jakob Pertl's play off the bench. Let's go ahead and get started. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing, doing well, staying, staying safe and healthy, and I'm just glad that NBA seems to be back in full swing and... Uh, Still a little bit of football left to be played, so uh, it's been a good, uh, I guess, uh, time for sports right now. Awesome, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a little worried about the NBA because you know we see all these games left and right getting canceled each day, and then the players testing positive or just having to go into quarantine. So, yeah. So I know that the it G had. League, the G ahead. League. Uh, we just talked about this with um, Jonas and John on our forever tours, and they, they they kind of took the NBA's lead from last year, and they're going to do it in the bubble. And it seems like. That seems like the best idea. That seems to work well. And so the whole travel thing, everything else is just, it changes things for quite a bit. So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of postponements lately. And so we'll see where things go from here. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the Spurs have have also been affected by this. Um, you know, they, they didn't they didn't say that anybody tested positive, but we, they, we do know that, that Drew Eubanks and Becky Hammond and then one other staffer are all in quarantine, you know, for the 14 days that they have to sit out. So that's happened to the Spurs, too, even though they haven't had a game canceled, but they got close because of the game against the Rockets. The Rockets had just completed a trade, and then they, they basically – and then they had a bunch of players with injuries, and then some of their players were also quarantining. So, you know, they had yeah. almost got canceled that Saturday game. They could barely field eight players. But uh, let's go ahead and go into the, to, to the latest news. Uh, regarding the Spurs, um, you know, last time I recorded uh, was about a week ago, and so since then they've played five games. They went three and two in these last five games. So overall, they are seven and six. So through thirteen games, they are above five hundred, barely. Um, so last Saturday, let's go back there. Uh, they played a, a, a back-to-back against Minnesota. Um, they got a win in Minnesota by three points in overtime. That was a very close game. Carl um, Anthony Towns had just returned to the Wolves, and the Spurs had their, the majority of their lineup there. Uh, so the Spurs held on for a very close win. Then on Sunday, um, DeMar DeRozan had to leave the Spurs because his father was ill, unfortunately. And then Towns was sitting out just for, for precautionary me- measures due to his due to just coming back from injury. And the Spurs ended up dropping this game. This was a bad loss for them. They lose by eight in Minnesota. On, on, on that Sunday on the second night of back-to-back. Um, 
And unfortunately, you know, going forward into the week, we did learn that Carl Anthony Towns uh, ended up testing positive for COVID-19. So we wish him, him all the best and all the players, you know, and everybody else that has COVID-19 the best going forward. Uh, and then on Tuesday, the Spurs got a win uh, by 10 uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, this is what with uh, DeMar DeRozan out as well because he was still, you know, tending to his father. Then on Thursday, DeRozan returned to the team and, um, you know, the Rockets were had just completed the trade for James Harden. They didn't have, they didn't have any of the new players. And uh, the Spurs ended up losing this one by, by four points to the Rockets. Um, this one, you know, it, was, it looked like a bad loss for the Spurs because the Rockets only had nine, nine players healthy. Uh, then on Saturday, the Spurs, the, you know, the Spurs were pretty much full except for Derek White not being there. And uh, the Rockets were, you know, still could only field eight players. And they and the Spurs got a comfortable win here by 12 points on Sunday, on Saturday, I'm sorry, against the Rockets. Uh, so two, two things I noticed before, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I wanted to talk about real quick about um, Lonnie Walker, the fourth, uh, just the kind of uh, game we saw how he had uh, those two games when DeRozan was out. We saw that he was way more aggressive, um, attacking the basket, getting to the free throw line and then as soon as DeRozan came back uh, we kind of saw him revert back to, to what he's been you know maybe scoring a few buckets in the paint in the fast break or but mainly shooting a lot of threes uh, which is good because you know they need a three-point shooter but he's, he just wasn't that aggressive and and one thing to note is that he did have like a bandage on his left hand in those both of those games against the Rockets so maybe he is a little injured uh, but you know coach pop said you know when, when DeRozan was out that this is kind of something that the coaching staff has been um, uh, talking to Lonnie about just being aggressive attack like you know don't, don't take no prisoners attitude uh, that's what they want from him but you know again when DeRozan came back he just shifted back to that like fourth option in terms of attacking the basket uh, so what have you thought about the last five games and, and also if you can give some thoughts on, on Lonnie's performance when DeRozan was out. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's very interesting looking at, at the games and trying to find patterns and things like that. And really, the thing I'm seeing most is it seems like when they get more help, when it's just more than just like DeMar and like one other player, that's when they seem to do well. Like against the, uh, Minnesota, one of those games, it seemed like uh, every uh, all of the, the starters scored in double figures and they got Patty Mose off the bench with 21 points. And so they really need to have Kind of not, not everyone rolling, but you know, they, if, as soon as they get that that help across the board, I mean, obviously they have uh, better chances. Uh, especially if they have any players struggling, I think, I think that night Rudy Gay didn't play a whole lot, and so he didn't get his normal. But um, and, and then also it just seems like these players that, and I don't want to say come out of nowhere because they're known players, but. Seemed to me like a, a thorn in the sides. Like I think it was Malik Beasley against Minnesota and Christian Wood. And to me, Christian Wood's a guy that he he has like his go-to thing, or he takes the ball out the perimeter and he tries to drive past whoever is guarding him every time. Mm-hmm. And he did that kind of over and over again, and it, it seemed to give the Spurs problems. So that's kind of I, I guess what I saw. And then Lonnie, you're right. I mean, it, it's almost like. I mean, I understand, he, you know, DeMar's, uh, I guess, the, like, star player or whatever with the, the Spurs, but he definitely seems to regress sometimes, and it's like, I think they, they've got to have him continue to be aggressive, continue to play um, his way. I mean, just looking at that game against Houston, or even, like, three straight games, he had 25, 24, and 16, and then he comes back, and then... Uh, DeMar comes back and he had like eight points and it's like kind of like he's like I don't know if afraid is the right word but kind of afraid to assert himself a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. kind of like he's taking a back seat and I think he's just got to continue playing his style because I think that like all out of aggression and, and 
moving down the floor as fast as he can and slicing through the defense. That's just how he does well. That's, that, that's kind of his weapon, and he needs to continue to use that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it was evident by by the fact that he wasn't getting to the free throw line in those last two games with DeMar back, whereas he was doing that, you know, against when, when DeMar was out. And so I really think that that really shows that whenever Derek White eventually gets healthy, uh, I think that, you know, the bench role might be the best for Lonnie because, you know, he can be out there by himself with mainly more spot-up shooters, or you know, in Patty Mills, uh, Devin Vassell, Rudy Gay, so that he would have the opportunity, basically, Pop can maybe tell him. Because, you know, Pop's basically been saying, we've been telling him, the coaching staff, you know, be aggressive, attack like that, you know, continue to do that. But he doesn't do it when he's there with all with all the starters. So I really wonder if, like, maybe he gets a bench role, a six-man role, and he they, they, they tell him, you know, the coaching staff tells him, hey, this is your group now. You're the, you're the, you're the, you're the focal point on offense. Be like how you were in those two games when DeMar was out. This is like your 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 your, your, your your, your unit to, you, to, to, to to have. And so um, I wonder if that's that's a case that they're going to look at once uh, uh, Derek White gets back. Because, yeah, like we said, you know, uh, unfortunately it, it does show that, like, you know, he kind of regresses back to, to be more of a spot-up shooter and, you know, only attacking when he's out on the break uh, f- for the offense. When we know that, you know, at times, you know, defenses really cannot contain him, though his dribble penetration, how fast he is and how quickly he gets to the basket. But he just doesn't do that consistently. All right, Mike, so now let's go ahead and, and, and dive into our, our main topic for today. And that is a return to the top ten defensively. So, you know, you and I recording this on a, on a Sunday uh, and you know when I woke up this morning on Sunday I wanted you know every every other day every off day basically for the Spurs I checked the numbers and just to see how they're doing and sure enough they're they're ten, they're ninth right now in, in defensive rating uh, they're holding teams to 107.9 points per 100 part of this is that the, the, their last four games have re- they've really struggled on offense but while they've struggled on offense they've actually pl- played, played very good defense and so you know you know it's going to help their numbers out but let's just go in I really want to deep uh, do a deep dive right now into the defense and, and what they're doing some things that are kind of staying consistent that I've seen since the beginning and then some things that have really improved since uh since the beginning of the season uh so like i mentioned they are ninth in defense right now um they're seventh in opponent offensive rebound percentage so this is something they've maintained they've really done a good job of keeping teams off the offensive boards uh their top five players in doing this are Dejounte murray we know he you know he's a beast on getting the boards uh rudy gay yaka Pertle, devin vassell and kelton johnson uh they're 10th in opponent free throw rate so they, they, this is also something they've been doing um pretty much all season is they're not putting teams on the free throw line uh, you know the, the the most that a player gets uh, draws fouls is like uh, three point five fouls per thirty six minutes, which isn't bad. So they don't have any players, specific players, who's getting into a lot of foul trouble night in and night out. Uh, this is an area that they've actually cleaned up because this is an area of concern for them. At one point, I remember they were like 29th in this area, and that is opponent fast break points. The Spurs are now making it an advantage to play fast, score on offense, but then also not let teams you know score on the on the other end against them. They've done a great job of this recently, and so they're now eighth in that category, holding teams to 12.2 points per game on the fast break. Uh, they are sixth in opponent in points off turnovers. So this is when um you know they force turnovers the Spurs. They're actually sixth now. They're scoring almost. 20 points a game, 19.6. And the players, of course, we know that get out on the break are, are Keldon Johnson, DeRozan, DeJounte Murray, and Lonnie Walker IV. Uh, they are seventh in opponent field goal percentage in the restricted area. So so we're going to get to the, the attempts in the restricted area. But when teams get closest to the basket, the Spurs are pretty good now about, about limiting their, their, their effectiveness. They're seventh there. Teams are making 59.7% of their shots. Uh, their, their, their main shot blockers right now on the team are Jakob Pertl, Rudy Gay, and Keldon Johnson. Um, and then uh, they're third in opponent percentage in the in the non-restricted area, which is about that floater range. So again, they're third there. So you're going to let teams take shots from there. The Spurs are doing a good job of uh, of not letting teams make shots from there. And then they've also, even though we're going to talk about the three-point defense, it's still an issue. But one thing they're good at is they're not letting teams get a lot of threes against them. They're holding teams to 31.1 three threes per game, which is second best in the NBA in terms of, of least amount of threes allowed. So let's first talk about their elite defensive skills. Uh, what, what do you think about, you know, in, in, in any part of this that I mentioned here about their, their top 10 ratings in some of these areas 
I mean, I think the one that really stands out to me is the 7th and opponent field goal percentage in the restricted area because that seems to have been a problem in the past where uh, some of the bigger uh, guys get inside and have kind of had their way against some of the, uh, you know, Spurs defenders and they've had trouble against some of the the bigs. But I think they're getting kind of more help now. And you see, like, Keldon as, you know, one of the main shot blockers. I mean, I think that, that tells you a lot. And I, it just overall... I mean, I think everybody's been saying for a while that this team is not the defensive team that they that they used to be, but there's been kind of a concerted effort to to get back to that, and that that was building through the draft with drafting Kelton and Devin and then uh, Jones. I think those were all like picks, especially because of defense. And you know, you already had like Dejounte, who's you know solid on defense, and some other players that can do that. And so they're starting to get. Uh, now to a place where they're, you know, they can do well on both ends and they can really, you know, hold their own against some of these teams. Um, so that really stands out to me. And, and, and you know, some of the other things, like, I, I'm saying on, on your list is, like, the steals. I think that that's kind of a byproduct of Pop is not a big fan of people taking yeah. too many risks and, mm-hmm. and you know, trying to, you know, pick up the ball and, and pass the lanes and, but he doesn't want, want them to get caught, you know, taking too many risks. And, and so that kind of speaks to that a little bit. But it's been really cool to see that, you know, that they were able to get back to that. And and Jakob being all over this, this, I think, says a lot as well. Yeah, and like one thing that just like uh, that I noted yesterday after the after the Rockets game was that this is just a weird stat of it, but it also shows how bad they've been defensively in the past. Yeah. Uh, yesterday was their third game holding an opponent below 100 points. Now that doesn't that doesn't sound like much, right? Just three games they've held opponents under 100 points. Guess what? Just they only did that twice all of last season, even when you throw in the bubble. So that's how bad their defense was that they couldn't even hold an opponent uh, below 100 points only twice last year. So so again, that just shows that 13 games into the season, this team has shown a lot of progress on defense let's go ahead and talk about some areas where they're kind of league average in defense but then also some areas that they do need to improve to get even better and you know to move into that top five of defense uh so league average areas are something you you noted mom it's i mean not uh, mike it's 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 a it's a, something that that pop kind of wants in his defense is not to be too too not to gamble too too much on 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 um on steel. So, so we do see that. So they're 17th in opponent tur- turnover percentage at 14.5%. Uh, they're 19th in opponent mid-range attempts. Uh, teams are taking 11.2, 17th in opponent mid-range accuracy. Uh, that's something again, they, they want, they're trying, I mean, they, they want to try to, to force teams to take more mid-range and non-restricted area shots, but teams are still kind of getting more to the rim. And also, you know, uh, that, that's kind of, that's kind of an issue still. Uh, something you mentioned also was like, you know, like pop doesn't want them gambling a lot. So they're 21st in steals at 7.2. The players though, that we do see getting a lot of those steals are Devin Vassell, DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Rudy Gay, uh, DeMar DeRozan, and Yaka Pirtle. Uh, they're 30th in opponent shots in the restricted area. So one thing, though, is that teams are still attacking them over and over and over again at the highest rate in the league in terms of getting the closest shots, even though the Spurs are pretty efficient at limiting the the, the, the accuracy of those shots. Uh, they're 26th in opponent points of the paint, you know, 49 per points per game from the opponent from, from attacking the rim. Uh, they're 29th in opponent three-point accuracy. For, uh, um, the teams are shooting almost 40% from three against them. And then uh, 56% of their opponent threes are wide open. And then, uh, you know, in the half court, when they do slow the game down, they are 22nd still in half court defense. Uh, so what do you think about some of their areas of concern? Yeah, I mean, I think three-point, uh, especially getting out to three-point shooters, has always been kind of an issue. And it's one thing that's kind of hurt with, like, rotations and things like that. But 
it seems like now they have players that can play uh, multiple positions so you can get out in some of those players, but it's something that's good. definitely will have to improve. You just can't leave. And we saw that a lot over the, the, the past few games is some of the, the the big shots that hurt them were wide open shots and you like you could not you can't let like Christian would take wide open threes out there and, and several other players do that as well. But again, there's definitely always gonna be room to improve. But it kinda makes me wonder like how are they gonna how is this gonna change when you know, arguably one of their best defensive guards is still not playing in Derek White. Yep. So mm-hmm. like when they get him back, like, you know, where does it go from there? Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, like, just like you know, you know, they're still going to have another defensive piece coming to this team, and that's Derek White uh, eventually getting inserted into this group. I think the, the, the main issue, why, why you see the 22nd and half-court defense and also the, th- the three-point percentage, when I go back and watch tape, for me, and you even saw this against the Rockets, there was some times where, like, the Rockets just got a really easy cut to the basket, is that it's just still kind of communication. I really feel like, from what, from what I see, a lot of these young players on the Spurs, you know, Devin Vassell, um, Lonnie, uh, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray, is that I think they're really, they're pretty good uh, one-on-one defenders, and I think that's a really good strength them but i think that they still need time and they're young you know it's only year two for a lot of them uh playing together as a group is uh is communication it's more communication i think that's the, that's where they have the lapses whether it's in the half court or you know re- getting out and helping out on the three-point line and so i think that's that's an area where you know they can still improve luckily if it's a communication error well then guess what you can just continue to improve and we one area that i think that shows that this team can improve that they show the ability to improve in a category is their fast break defense you know that was a real big issue for them the first two or three weeks of the season i remember pop talking about it the players and guess what? They've actually fixed it. You know, they haven't given up a lot of fast break points. So it shows that, you know, if they can, and, that, and, you know, a lot of fast break defense transition is really just communication. That's what it comes down to and, and, and effort. And so they have shown that that's an area that they can improve on. And so if they can do it in that area, well, then I think that going forward, they can continue to work on their half court defense. Now, there's going to be some issues, obviously, just on personnel, you know, depending on, on who gets minutes uh, uh, from the more of the veteran players. If they continue to get minutes, well, then that, that could also, you know, be, be a hindrance to the defense improving. But again, I think that we'll see them um, improve improve one thing i wanted to note was that you know we saw how defense can save them and, and get some wins because you know in these last four games they have struggled from the three-point line uh they shot below 30 percent in each of these four games against the, the wolves and i mean against thunder wolves and rockets and one thing though is that they, they they want a few of these games because again they they can rely on their defense they can keep it a low scoring game you know keep it kind of like in, in the mud and so because all they have to do is try to execute and, and they can actually get a win there and so we saw that with some of these games but then also some of these losses so again their defenses so far it's back 13 games into the year and if they can keep that well then they're going to be in ball games like we've seen pretty much this entire year they're not going to be getting blown out um, many times Let's move on to um, uh, just I just want to spotlight one player um, you know this week on the Spurs cast and that's Jakob Pertl you know he he's coming off a really good game against the Houston Rockets Coach Pop called him the star of the game so let's really dig into Jakob and, and one thing about Jakob you got to know, know you know pretty much is that he, you don't want to just rely on the base stats because you know they may not seem as impressive it's really more the advanced stuff that you want to see and also the eye test what he does uh, for, for a team uh, so his base stats are four point eight points per game he's scoring six point two rebounds he's collecting two point eight two point one assists uh, one turnover zero point eight blocks in nineteen point six minutes so he's only playing about 20 minutes a game uh, his shot profile 98 percent of Jakob's shots do come in the paint you know we see him doing that in a lot of rolls to the rim or getting now getting some post-ups uh he's shooting 69 percent in the restricted area so that's the area closest to the basket uh he that's second that actually no that's actually a team high among rotation players that accuracy so he is finishing well right now uh near the rim 
Uh, thirty. He's shooting thirty-seven percent in that non-restricted area. That's more like that floater range. So he doesn't take a lot of shots in there. But when he does, you know, he's that's that's obviously not an effective shot. Uh, he is getting post-ups this year. Um, you know, off the bench, he's he's got four, fourteen post-ups so far this year. That's second on the team behind only Aldridge. Um, he's he's only taken five shots in the post-up, so he's made. But he's actually shooting well, sixty percent. Uh, and then just like like I said, you know, for Jakob, you don't want to look at the the base stats because they don't they're not that impressive. But you really want to uh, really de- dive into the, the more the advanced stuff. And this is where you see that he's actually playing pretty. Well, when you compare him, he, he's pretty much a five, and so is Lamarcus Aldridge. So when you compare them, you see that Jakob is pretty much excelling past Aldridge in almost every defensive, um, advanced defensive category. So we look at deflections, steals, defensive field goal percentage, contested shots, blocks, and defensive rebounds. He's he's ahead of Aldridge in all of those categories. The only area where Aldridge is, is um you know ahead of him is in fouls. Jakob fouls about three point five times per thirty six minutes, whereas Aldridge is at two point seven. But it's still not it's not a, a major difference. And then on, I, I just feel like on offense, there, there's a two different styles. You know, you got you got Jakob, who's more that roller, sets your screens. Um, you know, might get a few post ups here and there. Whereas Aldridge, because he's no longer like one of the primary ball handlers. I mean, not, not primary ball handlers. One of the primary um, playmakers because they you know they go through DeRozan, Murray now, uh, Keldon, Lonnie first, and then they go to Aldridge pretty much at this point. Uh, he he really has trouble getting uh, initiated into the offense and having a having a, a role there. And so we do see that in the data. You know, only twenty eight percent of his shots come in the paint, so he doesn't he doesn't roll like Jakob and get deep into the paint and try to finish there pretty much all of his shots at this point are, are coming from the mid-range 43 percent of his shots come from the mid-range he is shooting well there 53 percent but then you know he also you know he wanted to incorporate the three ball but it's not right now it's only 10 games but he's struggling out, out of the gates with that three ball 65 percent of his shots are wide open from three so we know defenses leave are leaving him wide open and he's only making 31 percent of those wide open threes and then just our defensive rating comps um Aldridge is at uh, 117.1 points per 100 when he's on the floor Jakob's the team's at 98.7 points per 100 per cleaning the glass so again I'm not saying that um you know, Jakob should be starting, but it was interesting that Coach, Coach Pop closed with Jakob at the five versus the Rockets uh, just recently on Saturday. And also the fact that, you know, we saw them have some success in the bubble with Jakob as a starting five. And, and just the roles are different where it's harder, I think, on offense to get uh, Aldridge more involved this year because of this, they're going to the younger players. But and, and that fits more Jakob style since he doesn't really need to be a, a playmaker on offense. But also on defense, we do. I think you can see by the eye test and and also by the numbers that you know at this point, Jakob's the better defender uh, for for this team. So what, what do you think about Jakob? And then also, you know, if they need to make maybe make a change at the lineups. Yeah, I mean it's really like an offense versus defense kind of a decision, really, because obviously Jakob doesn't have Marcus's uh, offensive weapons, but at the same time, you can't really have somebody that's gonna you know kind of hold the ball for too long. And I think you like somebody that can just, you know, kind of clean up with the rebounds and things like that, get putbacks, um, like you said, be the, uh, you know, set the screens and things like that and, and get his buckets that way. Um, because there are so many, I guess, offensive weapons now that you kind of don't want to, you know, clog that up and you don't want to have like three other guys just standing around. While you know DeRozan's you know trying to drive traffic out there, and then you have a player that's gonna maybe hold on and, and kind of take that place in the middle range. So I think what he does defensively kind of makes up for him maybe not being like a you know serious offensive threat, but he's able to do what he needs to do. And then on defense, uh, being able to you know defend and and get. Uh, Blocks and obviously rebounds are important, and that's something that Aldridge has never been a big rebounder. So 
if that's important in securing possessions or extending possessions, then obviously, uh, I think then hurdle becomes kind of the easy choice there. So it, it's just kind of like what you have on the, what else you have on the floor, and what's, I guess in that state of the game, what's the most important thing. But he was definitely having a good season, and you're right. I mean, if you're looking just at basic stats, it's not going to, nothing's going to really stand up. But you kind of have to watch the game. And watch what he does to, to really, I think, get a, a little more appreciation for it. Um, because, you know, he was able to fill in that role and uh, just just do his job and then just be able to help defend, be one of those defenders like we talked about along with, uh, you know, Keldon and DeJounte and others. So, uh, anyway, so I, 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 I thought it was interesting him being the, I guess, the... Uh, the center that Pop went to at the end of the game, so I'm kind of wondering if we'll see more of that. You know, in yeah, for sure. Games. And and not only that, you know, I know I know that against the Rockets, uh, Pop closed with Yako, but then uh, you know in other games, Pop's been closing more so with Rudy Gay at the five. So so you have seen that when it comes to crunch time and it's a close game, Pop doesn't really uh, you know want the because a lot of teams like to like I remember D'Angelo Russell did this where they like to put Aldridge in the pick and roll and then try to get those wide open threes because he has to drop back and he can't kind of recover. So I think that I think again I think that we're starting to see that that Pop's starting to trust Rudy and, and Jakob there at the five a little bit more uh, based on, on what we've seen recently. So again, I think for one defensive Aldridge is that you know he has not played that much you know really he, he's you know think about it he didn't go to the bubble he, he pretty much missed uh, you know uh, uh, the ending of last year uh, so he's pretty much almost missed like a full year of basketball but then also even this season he can't really get get in the games because he's also ha- you know dealt with some injuries as well and so I think it was his left knee that he had some issues so he's only played in 10 games so far this year so so again maybe give him some more time maybe 10 games is still too much of a I mean too limited of a sample size so we'll see maybe like game 20 but like if we get to like game 20 that Aldridge has played and and Jakob's still you know posting these kind of numbers and also you know just just, you know, getting more, more opportunities there uh, to close. I think that maybe they, they do need to look at that as a decision of whether or not there needs to be a lineup change. And then think of, and then from th- something too for offense for Aldridge is that, you know, Derek White's going to come back eventually and Derek's going to become, um, you know, has a high usage. So he's going to take a lot more, again, um, playmaking opportunities away. And it's going to be pretty much all the wings and guards, DeRozan, Derek White, DeJounte, and, and Lonnie and, and Keldon making all the decisions in terms of wh- where the ball is going to go uh, in the offense. So again, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's just an interesting debate. And I really wanted to highlight Jakob's play, um, especially after Pop caught him you know the star of the game uh last night in, in that game against uh the rockets so we'll go ahead and um you know get ready to, to close out this episode here uh make sure spurs cast sisters that you're visiting projectspurs.com you know go check out steven anderson's analysis after each game uh ben, benjamin bornstein has the latest prospect watch over greg brown so make sure you check that out we added a new writer in carl Schoning, so make sure you check out his first piece that's so called a closer look at the austin spurs draft picks you know where carl kind of writes about some of those draft picks that the, the austin spurs um selected and then like mike mentioned earlier um you know the, the our forever toros podcast is available um they they just recorded episode six and that was a it was on the g league draft that was with the john diaz mike and um and jonas clark as well so thanks again to mike for joining me here on the spurs cast and for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.